Hi, this is Jeff Stone of Grandpa's Fried Barbecue from the Panhandle of Florida, and you are listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet wiener. Oh, listen, Lavernius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. And just like that, we are into the second hour. You have found the Barbecue Central show. hey Derek, I am not jealous. I have met you face-to-face at the second, third, second annual Kingsford Boing. trip <laughs> where we were at the inaugural Kingsford Invitational in the middle of nowhere. I know you remember that. That was a gas. Still to come this evening on the show, the embedded correspondents will be in to share their takes on a varying array of live fire topics. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat slash BBQ Central Show, Facebook and Twitch for a video feed, also slash RD Rempy on YouTube for a video feed as well. So check those all out. Uh, the videos, by the way, archive pretty much immediately. So you don't have to wait for the podcast feed like you could. But even then, first hour Wednesday, second hour on Thursday. And then, of course, we have the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. Coming up this Friday as well, episode 169 is taking you back to a show done on March 27th of 2012. My guest at that point was one Conrad Teddy Bear Haskins. He was the founder of the Barbecue Institute. He was also a barbecue competitor. He has a sense passed on, a.k.a. he's dead. He was a sponsor of the show for not quite a while, but a while. And that's what brought us together initially. Ultimately, what led us to our breakup as well. And I'm certainly not one to speak ill of the dead. But by the end of our relationship, he was a bitch, bottom line. So it was good that we stopped doing business together. But if you look back on what he did in his career, he was very accomplished, both in a teaching sense and in a barbecue competition sense. He touched a lot of lives in barbecue. So if you aren't familiar with him or you've forgotten about him and I'm just sparking it up for you again, this is a really good introduction or perhaps reintroduction to Teddy Bear. And I know you will enjoy. Don't forget, if you want to hear him, 
uh, or if you want to hear a guest or segment again that you've become particularly fond of, you can go ahead and email the executive producer of the Best Moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less, that being John Solberg at J-O-N at the BBQ Central Show.com. Don't forget the the, the the. Make sure you have the in there. John, J-O-N at the BBQ Central Show.com. Somebody sent me an email last week. He said, your site is insecure. I said, you're not even putting in the right address. Put the in there. Trust me, I have the little lock. Here's what I found out last week after listening to the Barbecue Central show, the best moments in 10 minutes or less. Many of you are new listeners to the show, and you have emailed me over the past week, and I know that you're new listeners to the show because your reaction to John's best moments last Friday was one of both shock and horror and allegiance, I might add. Horse meat is pretty black and white. You either agree with the grassroots movement of horse meat, hashtag horse meat, whatever year it is, or you think I'm a terrible person. I've actually reached out, thanks to Stover, contributor to the show out there in the Portlands. He hipped me to this dude. Now, I have actually reached out to this guy. He's a Florida-based human who is an underground avenging angel of sorts for illegal horse meat slaughtering and then the taking of meat for illegal consumption, sale and consumption, I guess. Now, the main distinction between my horse meat movement and the people in Florida is this. They're doing it illegally. I want to see this done legally. With the law, with standards, with protocol, with inspection, legal, like they do with beef and every other freaking thing that they inspect before humans can eat it here in this country. I am not a criminal. It would be great to land that guy. I have reached out to him through the emails, through his contact page on his website. I even shot him a note on the Instas said, I would love to have you on the show. You go to this guy's website. He has like that loop video of him geared up like he's a SWAT guy. He's not a cop. He's not a SWAT guy. I don't even believe he's Animal Protective Service or anything. He's just a guy that really hates the fact that there are folks in Florida, and then I would hazard a guess around the country, that are knocking down horses harvesting the meat, and then distributing it illegally. Uh, By the way, I'm all for that being illegal and that being a criminal act and all that. However, I'm not gearing up like I'm... What the hell is his name? I'm terrible with names tonight. Like I'm Shamar Moore from SWAT. This guy's got straight-up bulletproof vests, camos. He's got a thigh rig. He's even got a... A chest holster, multiple guns. In the article, it says he's got a cache of weapons. Cache. C-A-C-H-E. There are some folks that like guns, and then there's folks that have a cache of weapons. That's big time. I'm guessing that coming on the show to have a point-counterpoint 
of why I would like to have horse meat legalized again. It was legal for any number of years. And preferred by many people polled back in the day. It would probably go against his core values. I can't ever see him thinking that it would be okay to eat horse. If he's disinvested in stopping a criminal horse meat activity. Nefarious horse meat activity across the land. Specifically Florida. Then I can't imagine he's going to be coming on the show. However, you never know. Also, I was listening to the most recent episode of Malcolm Reed's podcast, and he has inspired me. In fact, there's a charity that him and his wife, Shell, are going to be helping throughout the course of, uh, I don't know how long this goes for, I apologize, but if I can get over to the thing. So uh, there's this place down in Hernando called Palmer Home for Children. And basically, it provides a safe and nurturing home for vulnerable children at the Palmer Home Campus. There's typically up to eight children in each of these homes. There's six of these homes. You know, I'm no mathematician, but let's say there's damn near 50 folks amongst the six houses. That's a lot of mouths to feed. On average, it takes about $20,000 to feed one family for a full year. So Malcolm and Rochelle have decided to take upon themselves to try and finance a goal of $20,000. So I emailed Malcolm and I said, you know what? I want to help you in this endeavor. So I would ask, and I will uh, place these links all over the place, that if you would like to join me in doing a fundraiser to help Malcolm, that would be great, number one. Again, it's uh, Palmer Home. I'm sure he's got it over at howtobbqright.com as well. But the kicker is this. The top five, where is it? Ugh. Okay, uh, so they're going to do a private VIP class in the fall. For the five people who raise the most money, they'll have those details later in the week, so I told Rochelle that next time Malcolm is on in April, we'll get the full straight up. Here's the thing that I think, guys. I think five Barbecue Central folks can pack that class. I think we can be the top donators. I am so confident that we can be top donators. I am saying this. If somebody will step up and pledge $1,000. I said $1,000. I will match your $1,000. I have to imagine that that ace is two-fifths of that class out. Me and you. Again, I don't know how the traveling out there is going to be or anything like that. But I'm throwing it out there right now. If you got a K laying around that you don't know what to do with, I say we both donate 1000 each to the Palmer Home. Get in contact with me first before you do it because we want to put it in the note when we donate. Not look at me, but hey. I think five of us can fill that class out. Can you imagine four of you getting to hang out with me? I mean, that's great on its own, right? That's worth many thousands of dollars. The kicker, 
we be hanging out with Malcolm Reed doing a VIP class, all Barbecue Central folks, Centralites as it were, getting to meet Rochelle, potentially laying down a podcast in his podcast studio. Maybe we do one here. I'm thinking we can do it. We can be the top five financiers of this $20,000 goal. You prove me wrong. Get in touch with me. First one in that says, I got a thousand. I will match your thousand. And I got to match. We have at least two spots in that classified. More information to come. It's the Palmer home. Go to howtobbqright.com and you can find out more uh, about donating and all that fun stuff. The embedded correspondents are waiting. While they wait, I'll tell you about what? Green Mountain Grills, some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market. A choice line, a prime line. Save money on the choice if you don't need the tech. If you don't want to save money and you need the tech, you got to get the prime. If you want lights in the cooker, you got to get the prime plus. Robust builds in the prime plus and prime. A little less robust on the choice, but you're saving money. Still great sizes. Jim Bowie, the biggest one. Daniel Boone, the middle size. Both accommodate the pizza oven insert. They have great accessories over at GreenMountainGrills.com as well. Pellets to fire those cookers, sauces, and rubs, and all the other accoutrement you need to complete the Green Mountain Grill experience. Go to GreenMountainGrill.com. That's GreenMountainGrill.com. Tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. We're back with the Embedded Correspondence. Stick around. I just said we'll be right back. Stick around. We'll be right back with the Embedded Correspondence. That's what I wanted to Oh my God, we're going to do it again. It's three times this evening so far. We've brought the giveaway segment back in full force. Nobody else on any show, podcast, live fire, go after yourselves. Nobody's giving stuff away for free and having incredibly professionally <clears throat> produced promos leading into the giveaway. Now you can shoot me an email for yet another flavor of Cosmos Q's wing dust. As long as you're in America, and if you're Wally Innskeep or El Jefe Smoke, don't send in another email. Let other folks... Email subject line, Derek Riches. But you gotta spell his name right. Derek Riches. Send that to me. I will send you a flavor of the wing dust. I expect a full report back, of course. And we wish you good luck. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. All right, this portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet. Whether you are a beginner or a professional, definitely cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. Waiting to get Noah Glanville on the show as well to talk about the PBX. And I will leave it at that. It's the fourth Tuesday of the month, and you know what that means. We race to the hotline and welcome back the embedded correspondence. Dudes, what's up? 
Great to have you, Doug. I appreciate you uh, making time here in the staycation, of course. So I led with Derek Rich's last hour talking about your rendezvous in Austin. So let me go ahead and get your take as well. How was the meeting with Derek? It was great. He's not as grizzly as you uh, claim to say that he is. Hold on a second, Doug. Let's make sure that we're saying the right words. I never said he was grizzly. I said he was bristly. Okay. Big difference. Bristly. Okay. All right. Okay. Bristly. So, what? I mean, what were your takeaways of of your four-plus hours together? Wow. After, After the first two hours, we wore him down, and he's a great guy. We're going to, we'll meet up again. All right. So, uh, and who has anybody texted one another or, or like reached out first for the follow up? Oh, you did already. Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So, so you were pretty smitten with this Derek character. He's got really great hair, too. Uh, <laughs> it was great. We actually went to Aaron Franklin's Loro restaurant, the Asian inspired restaurant. So what it did, was a new place that he had not been to. What did you get there? Um, gosh, we had a lot of stuff. I had the brisket and papaya sandwich. Um, what? and we had the corn fritters. We had chicken. We had Chinese noodles. We had all kinds of stuff. Wow. So it, it's pretty economical for being Aaron Franklin. All right. And the brisk and brisket tostadas. It was very good. All right. You know, I got to ask it because I'm that guy who picked up okay. the check. I I did. He bought one round. Of, he bought the second round of drinks. That's right. Thank you. That's right. That's by the way. That's a standing rule of the embedded correspondence. If you are out with anybody, it is required that the embedded correspondent pick up the check and then eat it. Don't you send it back to get expense? How dare you? I'm sending no it to way. you immediately. How dare you? All right. We'll put it on the 2021 tax records and see where it goes from there. All right. So <laughs> we're talking with the embedded correspondence. Doug regaling us with his meeting with Derek Riches earlier today, which is a, a nice trip and uh, experience that we'll see how that unfolds down the line. Um, let's start here with a couple of my topics, and uh, Rusty, we'll start with you. Onions in any form, yes or no? Hell, hell yes. Oh, are you? Yes. That's, oh. It's so sad that you don't like. I think about this, Greg, every single time I cut an onion, how sad it must be. <laughs> That you can't enjoy what I'm about to eat. Really? You know what I'm saying? It's like no. pizza and someone's like, I don't like pizza. And you're like, what the fuck? You don't like pizza? That's how I feel about onions. I don't get it, man. Are you That's equating somebody not liking pizza with not liking onions? Or air or water wow. or food. Big, or big onion guy. Happiness. Happiness. Yes. I just onion like I eat an apple, you know? Like as I oh whoa. As I have told Sam, the cooking guy, who has really led the charge here of onion bullying on his widely popular two plus million, almost three million subscribers, uh, tossing my name around in vain as an anti onionite, I've tried and tried and tried. Then I've also tried again and again to eat onions in various forms and fashions. Uh, sometimes it's a globe onion. Uh, like round uh, there's these onions that are called sweet onions but guess what that's a marketing ploy there's nothing sweet about them there's spanish onions they do not taste like anything spanish i've ever had there's purple onions which are the most repulsive onions on the face of the earth highly pungent and yet 
I've continued to try and eat them raw, gross. I've tried to eat them, Mm-mm. I don't know, what's the next thing down the line of cooking? Medium, soft, translucent, sweated. I've tried them and all. The only time I can eat them and under protest, and by the way, I say this with peace, peace and love. And love. Peace, peace and peace love. Peace and love is either really long on the grill or really, really, really caramelized. But even that, it's under protest. But I've tried, I will continue to try. I want to get on this train, but I just cannot. So I feel bad for you, feeling bad for me that uh, not eating onions is also me potentially lacking happiness in my life because you are totally know. down. I just, I just want to know who hurt you, Greg. Who Nobody. You? I've tried again. I've tried. <laughs> I try. I feel like I'm a, a like an alcoholic that can't quit alcohol, but I've never even got on board with it. Uh, but I don't know. A dog, uh, onions in any form? Yes or no? Absolutely. Right. And I hear people that don't like them are called Sparky. I don't know. That's what I hear. <laughs> yes. Yes, Sparky. I, I go with anti-onion. Like, I mean, what do you find so good about onions? The, the, raw, they have a certain pungent to them. Yes. And then when you do saute them, they do have a certain caramelization to them that makes them a little sweet. So it, it, it can transform quite from one range to the other. All right. Uh, John, onions, yes or no? Let me start by saying I totally defend your right to feel however the hell you want to about onions. Thank you, John. 100%. Thank you. That's why you're my favorite. Not, I almost said but. I'm not going to say but. However, <laughs> the, you can't if you're going to cook. Yes. The basis foundation of any sauce is mirepoix. You got to have onions. You got to have carrots. You got to have celery. It's got to be in your house. It's a it's a different thing. Um, yeah, I'm for onions. They will always be in my home with those other ingredients used in a lot of different ways. You just can't really develop a sauce or a stock without those three things. I'm, onions I, important part. I fully like uh, two thirds of uh, mirepoix, but the other third That's is cool. you know not so great for me. Um, I've also tried to circumvent the onion process by adding uh, onion powder. Or onion salt that doesn't seem to have the same type of kick in my balls as a traditional onion would have. You know, my only argument is this. You know, for everybody that wants to pile on the anti-onionite bandwagon, or me being on the anti-onionite bandwagon, as Doug puts on the hate blockers, I'm here to tell you this. How good can it be if you cut that bitch and it physically makes you cry? Like, something has to be wrong with that. More people should not like it than like it because it makes you cry. It hurts you. It could blind you. Carrot doesn't blind you. Celery doesn't blind you. Every other thing on the face of the earth that's a vegetable or a root or something along these lines doesn't blind you. But an onion literally makes you cry and is disgusting on top of that. So it's like a one-two punch of a culinary... I and again, just to make sure I live in hypocrisy, I really want to love it. I really do want to love, it. but I can't love it, and I will never live it down. And that's all we're going to say about that. Let's move on to some business of barbecue. As I had mentioned with Derek last hour, the B and B Charcoal Company has sold to Duraflame. Maybe there hasn't been an official announcement on Duraflame side, according to Derek. But let's go ahead and assume that that's something that's going to be going through. 
John, are you worried at all about the sale as some of the scuttlebutt that we've seen across some of the social media channels? Uh, could you care less? What are your thoughts on the B&B? I think actually the sale will make sure I can get more of it. I think it'll become more widely available. I uh, like to think now it's being headed up by a real company. And uh, I might got a better chance of getting a wider range of products. Sorry. <laughs> Can't get it up here, Doug. It's hard to get. It's difficult to get. Even it's a new thing. Uh, you can get it ace occasionally. Mm. You're not going to get anything in the off season. Again, they're not going to bring it in for you. So I think I think for me, it's a better proposition with a better distribution system. Do you think that B and B might have done a little marketing ploy with not having it readily available, or do you think they just had no stock and it was just a problem? I feel they couldn't produce it for whatever reason, COVID or supply chain or, you know, going nationwide recently is a pretty new thing for them. It's a, it's a lot to overcome. Uh, Doug, your thoughts on B&B? Yeah, I, I love B&B as my favorite charcoal. So when I used to cook on drums, that was the only thing I would cook on there. It's made in, you call it either Jetto or Cistern, Texas. I mean, deep in the heart of Texas, where are those places? But the Alamo, I have got two. Yeah, I've got yeah the Alamo. Yeah. Uh, come and take it. So I've got two bags in my garage when I've used uh, my UDS charcoal. Was, that was the only charcoal I would use. I hope that they can, ma- like John says, they can manufacture as much as they uh, um, they can if they're going to go nationwide. So that's the only thing I hope that they can keep the quality. So Rusty, I, you get the- I, I like it. Rusty, you get the last word. Well, you know, it's not like, you know, and I may be talking to my ass here, but it's not like a craft barbecue thing. You know, it's not like they're burying it in, you know, uh, dirt, you know, like in the old days, you know, it's not like they're doing that. So it's not like it's going to change anything. You know, it's not like it's not going to be less crafty. So, I mean, like John said, that if I can get it now, badass, you know, I, I B&B is a great charcoal and I'm, it's more about distribution than anything. It's still family owned, you know, they still have a part of it. You know, so it has that kind of thing to it. So for me, it's it's a good move. And, and anyone in business, as you know, Doug specifically, specifically knows, it's, you know, if you get into business, it's good to take that business as far as you can and, and sell it and move on. You know, that's good business. So I'm, I'm happy for him. I think it's cool. Let's uh, do a quick follow-up around the dais. John, do you think that regardless of if it's good or bad for the brand, in general, speaking on a high level, that when a company sells to another company or is bought out by another company, the general public feels an obligation to take a shit all over it for no good reason. Absolutely. I feel they do feel that obligation for, and, and it's not necessary. We don't know what's going to happen yet. It's like there, someone's taking away their brand. Well, it's not their brand. It's the B&B brand they decided to sell. Either you're going to like it or you're not if it changes. So it's that's an unfortunate thing. I, I can't even describe where that comes from. Rusty, is it a general perception now to just dump over anything that buys and sells these days? Well, it's because, like I said, it's like when, you know, usually when like a restaurant that you love so much gets sold off to a bigger company, then they multiply, the quality goes down. So you're always afraid that it's more quantity over quality. But I think this case, I don't really think it's that at all. I don't think in charcoal there is a there is a quality thing, but I don't I don't see how they're going to change any of that. So this one's just a little different. But yes. Overall, you when you look at a business taking over a small company, it feels like it's going to something bad's going to happen. You know, like every '80s movie. Doug, your thoughts? 
Yeah. Rusty hit the nail on the head. It's the fear of the unknown that when we have sales of businesses, we don't announce it to anybody. And then maybe three months later after everything is fine. Oh yeah. Three months ago, the, the ownership changed. So that's the difference between small private companies and public. You don't announce it. Well, I think there, I wish I would have paid better attention a number of years ago that when announcements like this were made, there just seemed to be more of a congratulations or people would be patting, for instance, B&B on the back and saying, hey, this is a good job. Uh, you know, take it to the next level is always a common thing that you hear. But uh, all of a sudden, whenever anything sells anymore, like if I sold the show, uh, people would be taking a dump all over it. A Rempy sold out or whoever bought the show is going to run it right into the ground. And but maybe it's a little bit more personal since I'm like a host of things. But in general, people would want to take a dump all over it instead of just saying, oh, OK, that's a transaction that happened. But uh, perhaps over the past year, people have become a lot more personally self-involved and more invested in a lot of stuff that maybe they wouldn't have given a shit about before in the first place. Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and finish it up here uh, before we come to the first break. I had had Sandy Brown on the first hour as we tried to hurdle a couple thunderstorms out there in Illinois, which we couldn't do very well, but we'll turn her back around again soon enough. SEA popularity and female dominance, two separate subjects, but I would like both answers. Rusty, go first since you're a big SEA guy. Well, it, the SCA dominance is, is real. I mean, like we've hashed out before, it's so simple. You show, like, I'm going to Bakersfield and I'm putting everything in the back of my truck, you know, and I'm heading to Bakersfield, I'm popping up and I'm heading out, you know. Super easy, cheaper than it is to do a KCBS, but, uh, you know, but I don't know. It's it's just blowing up. Here we have, so I mean, there's what, in so Bakersfield, California, we have, I want to say 68 teams competing this weekend. And when I started here in the West Coast a year ago, we had 15 to 20 on average, like everywhere we went. Now it's 50 plus everywhere we go. It's absolutely insane. And as far as female cookers, man, there's no reason why we should even be questioning it. I mean, uh, on the on the show that I do, the Pitmasters podcast, we get females on there all the time. It's not because it, we try. It's just because they come out and they cook and they do a great job. And I don't even know it, why it should be a subject because... I don't think there is any kind of advantage being male or female, but it's really cool to see that females do get out there because it is kind of not a female. When you look at it, it's like, oh, men grill steak. So it's cool that they're coming out and kind of breaking that up, but I don't think there's anything to break up really. I think they're just super talented and they have some time just like everyone else and they're going out and showing their skills. As I've said many of times, you want to get on the show, you win. doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, you get on the show if you win. Doug, your thoughts? Yeah, I think barbecue competitors, especially after COVID, are going to convert over. I know several that have. So, um, in terms of the you know, female barbecue is a male dominated sport, but my wife is a better natural cook than I am. I will make a recipe 10 to 15 times and control the variables to make it a great recipe. She can do it naturally. Hmm. Uh, John, your thoughts? SA is going to continue to dominate. And I really don't have any thought on the male versus female domination of the sport, but it, it makes sense. I mean, a husband and wife team in a competition barbecue, you know, it's, they could both cook at SEA on the same grill. We just learned that. 
So now they can both enter. They both, you don't see that in, in a competition team, you know, if a husband and wife team is running. So it just brings a lot more people to it. It, it doesn't surprise me, but I don't really segregate it by gender. Uh, John, do you think that this will be a tipping point in 2021 where you will see a perhaps more rapid decline of competition barbecue and a much more rapid increase in the SCA popularity? I do see that. I absolutely agree that that'll happen. Doug? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rusty? Sadly, yes. And I, I think it. I, I think it's because, you know, it's a, it's time now to not want to go. Everyone doesn't want to spend $1,000 to go out to a competition. I think you're going to see the rise of the backyard, the one cook, and things like that. And I think that's what KCBS has to do to, you know, kind of get over this hump. And it's just a hump. I think people will go back to KCBS because I think, like I've always said, KCBS is like boxing. The best man's going to win. SCA is like is like a UFC. You just never know. I mean, Sandy won eight out of how many, you know, and like Will Collier said, um, if Clark Crew did KCBS and did 80 cooks, how many would he win? Probably 60, you know? So it's like the best, most prepared man's going to KCBS. I think that SCA is is fun and people will do it forever and it'll be super popular by people want to go back and really want to have some of that science to it. You know, but then again, like I told you, Greg, I thought Facebook would suck and mess in, you know, text messages would be nothing. So there you go. All right. Uh, uh, we're joined by Rusty Monson, Doug Scheiding and John Solberg, the embedded correspondents. Uh, gents, we're going to step away here just for a moment. I'll do a piece of business. We'll come back and get at some John Solberg topics, some Doug topics, and some rusty topics as well. By the way, we do have a winner of the Cosmos Q. Uh, Brian Ashman wins. He listened this time. He wrote Derek Riches, and he did it correctly. So, Brian, go ahead and shoot me your shipping info in a separate email, and I will make sure we get that wing dust out to you. My choice, of course. So just be happy that you're getting something. And if you're waiting for your chance to win, we might just throw one more in before the end of the show. So listen intently. That's what we call a hook in the business. I'm not sure what business that is, but in the business, that's what it's called. I'll talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies. will get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at Big Papa Smokers has been Pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself from the award-winning rubs and sauces to the American-made grills and smokers. Big Papa's has something for every type of outdoor cook. The seasonings, we know them, right? Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, all proven winners on the competition circuit and in the backyard. If you're looking for a new go-to sauce, we ask that you give Granny's Barbecue Sauce a try. If you're sick of what's currently out there, if you... Want to make sure that you're getting all of the sauce know-how? Buy a bottle, two, or case of Granny's Barbecue Sauce. Great all by itself, but you can doctor it up and make it your own as well. And aside from the premium selection of rubs and sauces, they also offer the very best charcoal wood and pellet cookers available on the market today. If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out that Mac 2-Star General Pellet Cooker. It does have a refresh recently. Big Papa Smokers is the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. If you're not a fan of pellet smokers try the old hickory ace bp it's the only smoker that big papa trusts on his competition trailer that is charcoal fired if you're not sure of what grill you need and you have questions call them 877-828-0727 that's 
828-0727. You can also shop their website to get their full vision of products. BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. BigPapaSmokers.com. We are back with more Embedded Correspondence. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. And your fourth and final time to win Cosmos Q's Wing Dust. They are exceptional. I'm going to send you a free packet all on me. All you have to do is be the first one in with an email in the subject line. Onions. Spell it. Onions. Put it in the subject line of an email. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Subject line. Onions. And you have a chance of winning a free pack of Cosmos Q Wing Dust. Cosmos Q's website, Cosmos Q, that's with a K and a Q at the end, CosmosQ.com. Good luck. Celebrating over 10 years of prolific and unparalleled live fire barbecue and grilling talk. And yes, it's still being done from Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. This portion brought to you by Smithfield. Head on over to smithfield.com through the grilling season that's coming up and get tips and tricks from Chris Lilly and Darren Wart, Ernest Cervantes, and Childs Cridland. You can also go to smokinwithsmithfield.com to track your first place finishes with Smithfield's pork and ribs. All fun stuff, smithfield.com or smokinwithsmithfield.com. And we're rejoined by the embedded correspondence. Gentlemen, thanks for hanging with me through the break there as we get through some other topics. Uh, John brought up a topic I thought would be fun to ballyhoo around the dais here. What is the number one piece of advice you give to new barbecuers and grillers? It's your question, John, so you go first. The number one piece of advice I give them is to know that cooker and treat it as a tool and know it inside out and to get to know it cook on it know it learn it know what it's know what you what you got whatever cooker you decide to buy you got to learn it so you might as well cook some chicken and learn it um learn it in the dark learn it in the light learn it in the rain learn it in the wind and for there you'll be you'll be a lot better off a carpenter doesn't think about a hammer he just hammers with it so you got in my brain that cooker is the same way learn it your life will be easy would you recommend that people start out with a more live fire style cooker, for instance, something that's charcoal driven or a wood burner to learn fire management before they get into the pellets or not? I think you should do that. I, I try to steer people that way, but a lot of people just want to jump right into the pellet. I give them the same advice. Um, but yeah, I, but I came up in the charcoal Weber smoking mountain world and playing with vents and, so I'm a little bit prejudiced toward that way. I think that's important. I think it's important that you understand that it doesn't matter if you have temperature swings or spikes and you're 30 degrees off from one side of the cooker to the other. So I encourage people to learn fire management, but I think in today's age, it's not necessarily a reality. 
for everybody. Doug, this is probably a question that you get routinely, especially when you're doing the cooking classes and uh, you're doing these Zoom classes. So what are you telling folks? Well, I agree totally with John, but my two answers were every cook is a competition. If you do two steaks, do them two different ways. Every time. My wife hates it, but I love it. Um, and also, number two is keep a cooking journal. I keep a cooking journal on because I'm doing a competition every damn time I cook a steak or I cook whatever. Uh, I keep a journal and I note which one wins and which one doesn't. Rusty, your advice to beginners? To cook a lot. And uh, like Chris Lilly said, you learn by the, you know, you can see how much you learn by the, the size of your ash pile. You know, I, if you cook and you're constantly at it, you're going to learn temperature. You're, you're going to learn how it feels. It's cool to know your cooker, and that's really, really important too. But if you know texture and you know what things are supposed to feel like, you know, growing up, I thought that when I first started cooking like a pot roast, for example, I cooked it to 165 and it was, I was like, why can't I get it like my grandma does, you know? And it took me a, a way too long to figure out that it has to come up to 200 plus that, you know, that it can shred. Every meat's different. Every meat's lived a different life. And you got to learn how to cook that to tenderness because tenderness is the game period in competition, in feeding your family and all of that stuff. So just get at it and, and just keep cooking. That's what I would say. That's number one. Uh, my piece of advice is if you don't have one, and Meathead says it all the time when I ask him about gifts and all that other stuff, is to get an instant read meat thermometer. I think folks just getting into it. I called into a radio show a couple days ago because one of the co-hosts mentioned that she has perfected her filet mignon inside cooking technique over the last uh many months of COVID and so forth. So I called in and asked her if she wouldn't mind explaining what her method is and, you know, just for no other reason, just to hear what people are up to. And the host said, oh, Mary, I think you might be getting painted into a corner here, so be careful how you answer and blah, blah, blah. He didn't know who I was, of course. And, you know, she immediately went to the, uh, I do the, the finger and and push you know my thumb and and forefinger my thumb and middle finger together and this is how I can tell if it's medium rare and this is how I can tell if it's medium well and blah blah blah. So, the one thing that I have learned over my many years is uh, certainly, as Rusty said, it's good to know texture and touch and all this other thing. But I mean, when you when it comes to needing to know. There's really no other way to know what temperature you're at than by sticking a instant read meat thermometer in there and knowing where your temperatures are at. Uh, can the meat fluctuate from cook to cook? Absolutely, and that's why uh, I would also agree with John and uh, keeping a journal. Was it Doug that said uh, keeping a journal? Uh, to, so you, so you know what that might look like the next time around. That was Doug. Thank you. So, uh, but having the knowledge of temperature and where those dunnances are is key to any beginner's success. And then my second piece of advice is to get both a grill, a real grill, whether it's charcoal or a gas grill, and then also get a, a barbecue pit, whether that's a pellet cooker or Weber Smoky Mountain. Um, I, I asked John a leading question because I am also from a time where you learn fire management first and then you know, reluctantly I graduated into the pellet cookers, but I love pellet cookers now too, but I'm certainly much happier and satisfied that I have a knowledge base of how to start 
and maintain a live fire in my Lang and in my Weber Smoky Mountain. And I can go to any cooker and, and pretty much know that I can cook a decent something or other on it because I have a, a base of fire management. So those are my two things that I would recommend, uh, or I guess those are my number two, top two pieces of advice for the backyard grillers. Oh boy, here we go. Look out for this question. Oh. <clears throat> if you like them or not, what are the three greatest bands of all time? Holy moly. We are about ready to light the roof off on this one. And, of course, I am going to the most controversial subject on the panel, that being Rusty Monson from the great city of Utah. We ask that you lead this juggernaut powder keg gas can of a question right off for us. I'm glad. And just when it's my turn to talk again, just raise your hand, Greg, because I will be muting this entire conversation after I'm done talking. <laughs> so I don't rage. And just, oh, I, did, I, I saw the question. I wish I would have brought my stress ball. Um, <laughs> so first of all, it's the Beatles. That's number one. Beatles. That's it's the Beatles. And if you, I, man, we should have a whole show on why the Beatles are so, are the best. Yes. I need, holy, where are mine? Um, where are my hate blockers at? Oh gosh. I'm so unprepared. Um, so it's going to be the Beatles for sure. Second is Hank Williams. Wow. Oh, get off it. Senior or junior? Uh, senior. Hank Williams, senior. One of the best songwriters of all times. Um, it just every song he ever wrote for the time that he wrote it in was very, I mean, just because um, songs got to get you, you know, they got to get you on an emotion, something you're feeling, something that you can attach yourself to. And Hank Williams did it better than literally anyone else on the planet besides maybe Neil Diamond. Yes, Neil Diamond. Sorry. Neil Diamond's got me through ups and downs. It is what it is. Um, you know, in the Man third, card. you don't want to do you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put I'm going to say the clash. Is number three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the reason why. I can't believe I get my balls busted about not liking onions, and you're going to go with the clash as being top three groups so, of all time. Listen, take it out. Like you listen to the clash, and they got clash city rockers, and they got this really hardcore punk, and they quickly get out of that. And they move into this reggae, kind of bringing that into the United States. And then they kind of move into this synth pop, kind of moving into the, you know, the the synthy thing in the 80s. They were ahead of almost every major uh, music, uh, you know, trend and kind of pushed us towards those things since 1977 up until the 80s, until they broke up. If you don't believe me, listen, it's crazy the growth that band had. And they get disrespected on these top 10 lists all the time. So I'm pushing up to three just to uh, put that out there. All right, there you go. Uh, Rusty had the Beatles. He had Hank Williams Sr. and The Clash as, a, whether you like them or not, three greatest American bands of all time. Uh, John, oh, 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 wait a second. Yeah, I'm regrouping here. Is the first one not, not, not correct then? You said American uh -huh. bands. Technically, well, yeah. the Beatles are from uh, are from England. Do we count that? Thank you. Well, the Clash is not an American band, and the Beatles yeah. are not an American band. And exactly. Uh, okay. All right. But, so I, I, I'm like, I, I'm going to go. 
I don't know. You, are you going to throw this over to me? <laughs> uh, no, I just want to. I just want to okay, see yeah. if 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 we need to re re up Rusty for two more American choices. Let's let's do that. All right, about uh, that? Rusty, well, can we you re up for two more American choices uh, okay. off the cuff, or should Hank I go to Doug? No, I got you, man. All right, I'm moving Hank Williams to first. I'm bumping Waylon Jennings to second. Okay, <laughs> and then. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my gosh! And then I'm gonna say, let's just go with Muddy Waters. Muddy Waters. All right. Who? Muddy Waters. Muddy. You not familiar with Muddy, Muddy Waters? Waters? Blue singer. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, he's the big greatest blues singer of all times. The best there ever was. Before the they took over with uh, long hair and a ponytail and silk shirts. All right. Uh, American top three bands, whether you like them or not, Doug. Let's hear your list. Okay. I thought of the Beatles, but then I thought, oh, they're not American. So I'm going with Rolling Stones. They're not American, the Doug. They're from England. No. What the no, fuck is wrong with you? Rolling well, Stones is not, not American band. The Rolling Stones oh. went on tour with the Beatles, you fool. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, so I will go. The Eagles, Bon Jovi, and Motley Crue. Motley Crue, wow. They are my favorite band of all time, and I won't tell you how many times I've seen them in concert. All right, uh, let's dig deeper on Motley Crue. Favorite Motley Crue song, though? From their first album, Too Fast for Love, Dr. Feelgood, Girls, 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 Teaser. Take a pick. Okay, well, I guess we're just not answering any questions tonight. Uh, all right, uh, duh, John Solberg, your top three American bands, whether we like them or not. Whether I like them or not, I got to go with the Eagles. Ugh. I got to go with uh, Chicago based on numbers, and I got to go with the Beach Boys, all number <laughs> all number driven. And And I will say one thing, at least – they have talent, <laughs> unlike some fellow correspondents' picks. Are you freak Motley Crew? Are you flipping kidding? Me? What are you? The eighties called. <laughs> they're they're looking I for their them. records back. <laughs> I, I love I them. Whether you like them or not, whether you like them or not, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, so that, uh, that's my pick. My picks, of course. Number one, uh, number one American band of all time, Rammstein, of course. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. Yeah, thank you. We just throw it out there, you know. Uh, so number one for me is Van Halen. Uh, perhaps you've heard of them. Number one. Uh, number two, I'm going probably way outside of the box of conventional thinking here. But once you hear it, certainly no surprise if you know me. Number two, and might be number one, NWA, 100%, changing the landscape of music without a doubt. And number three, Green Day. I think this is a band that started out and evolved over 20-plus years. Uh, certainly hit machine, but continued to redefine what a punk band can be or should be. So uh, Van Halen, NWA, and Green Day are my top three. And uh, there you have it. All right, that was a great question, uh, John. We always love to banter back and forth about music. 
Let's go ahead and grab a question from Doug. Ooh, this is one of my favorite questions. This is when we get to bet and write stuff down. So here we go. Doug asks, will Memphis in May happen May 12th through the 15th as scheduled? Yes or no? And if so, under what circumstances? So since it's his question, we will go right to Doug for his pick. I'm going to say no. The odds are 90-10 that it will not happen. And if it does, it's going to be on under very – only people that have vaccinations can get in. Rusty, is Memphis in May going to happen May 12th through the 15th? By the way, uh, we are literally a week and a half away from April, so that would put it, what, eight weeks-ish away, a little less than eight weeks away from current where we are currently. So will it happen May 12th through the 15th? It's scheduled. If so – what are the circumstances? You know me, I'm the everlasting optimist in the group. So I'm going to say yes, just because I think so many people have gotten vaccines in Utah. It's open to everyone. So I think by that time, I mean, it was so close last year that I think that it'll be one of those things to push over. By the way, I want to kind of go back a little bit. It's the Pixies. It's not Muddy Waters. All right. It's the Pixies. Anyway, but I think that it will happen. Just for the record, for the record, as it states in the in the you know in the history books of the the Barbecue Central show, the annals. But I think it happens. I hope it happens. I won't go because I don't have ten thousand dollars to set up in a in a five by five booth. But I will um, love to one day. Have you not been uh, approached <laughs> to be a hired gun like Doug does down in Texas? Um. Yeah. Uh, um. A couple people asked me to come cook with them, so I guess I could. Carrie Pringle, you know, he's like, come on, do dishes. So I'm like, cool. So maybe. All right. Uh, John, <laughs> is Memphis in May happening 12th through the 15th in May? Yes or no? And if so, under what circumstance? I'm going to say yes. I'm giving it a 50-50 shot that it's going to happen. All right. So I'm right down the middle. The conditions, I didn't they rework Tom Wee Park? Didn't they expand or change? Is there a change to the venue? There's been a change to the venue since the last time it happened. So, but I really, it's, it can't, I don't see it happening like it did. I mean, it's a cramp packed thing. I can't even predict what it might look like. Hmm. I, I, I don't even want to, I can't even fantasize it. And now for my pick, <clears throat> which is the correct pick. With every fiber <laughs> of my being, I want to throw down stone cold lead pipe lock that Memphis and May is going to go off totally, 100% unrestricted, just like it was back in 2019. However, (laughs) the betting man in me says there is a 100% chance that the Memphis and May tournament will not... Andrew... You are not the fire. It will not be happening in any form or fashion. It will be canceled for its second year, and you can take all of your $200 straight to the bank and collect after you pass go. It is not happening. Next year, full-blown Memphis and May, the likes you have never seen it before. This year, not a chance in hell. Not a snowball's chance in hell. Book it. Better question from Doug. Will the Amazing Ribs meetup happen in Memphis? Doug, yes or no? 
I'm going to say yes, but it's not going to be at full participation. Rusty? Uh, again, over, over the optimist, I want to go to that thing. I really genuinely want to go. So I hope that it does happen. What does that mean you want to go to it? Like you, like you want to spend the money to do that? Go and eat all the food. Yeah. Do you know how much? It, you know how much that trip costs. I don't know. Uh, John, I'm do you have a loaded, do you have a working knowledge of what the trip cost is going to be outside of not. travel? I, I do not. I thought it wasn't a six hundred dollar number. I, I, but oh, no, don't quote me. I don't quote me. I want to say. I want to say it's it's all of six hundred. It's it's probably all in after travel and so forth. It's probably going to be closer to fifteen or sixteen hundred bucks. I think. Does that sound right, Doug? Is that is that high? It does. I think it's six hundred and some for the actual of conference and event, not including hotel travel. Yeah. Wow. And, and how many days is the event? I'll just give you a number for the travel. Let's say so four. Yeah. Let's say uh, in. Let's say it's a, an arrival day, and then you have three days of expo, and then you can either leave on that third day in the evening, or you stay one more night and then leave out that next day. You, you got to budget fifteen hundred for your travel. That would be the budget I'd assign as a travel person. Fifteen hundred <laughs> for a travel hotel. 15, oh, okay. For the travel, depending on where you're coming from, right? Yeah. Right. But you're talking about a max airline ticket, so give yourself a budget of seven hundred bucks. I know that's a high one, but that's and put two fifty day your hotel taxes, taxis, stuff like that. Wow. That's where you're going to be at. plus six hundred, plus six hundred and fifty or whatever it is. That cost. All right, well, how, yeah. how is that grabbing you now, Rusty? I don't. That's fine. Yes. I'll still pay a lot more than that. You'll learn sausage for a day. Rusty's Rusty's you know? rich, bitch. That's right. I'm not rich. My wife is. <laughs> I don't do shit. That's all right. Well, so, her money is your money, Rusty. There's no need to, uh, you know, disseminate or anything like that. Uh, John, yes or no cool. on the AmazingRibs.com meetup? I have no idea. I, I really can't even speculate on that one. But I'm going to hope that it does go on for them. I'm going to say yes. Hmm. And now we've come to somebody giving you the real answer on what's going to happen. <laughs> <clears throat> There is a 0% chance that that thing is happening. 0% chance. And we'll leave it at that. Uh, Rusty has a question. or Rusty is saying this. Seer Revolution is on. We've heard this being bantered about here over the last month or so. You've taken some Seer stakes to task. However, you have also made a note that you are getting other names involved. So please give us some background on what the Seer Revolution is going to look like in your mind and how you're going to be able to expand. I can't even believe we're going to say this. Expand the Seer Revolution. And why is it going to take a foothold? So it's going to happen, you know, if you guys... So DB180 is a product by Will Collier. And he does a class on the Barbecue Champs that he sears a steak, okay? Now, he does very well in the SCAs, but... More importantly, DB180 took down 22. I'm just, I don't. I'm not affiliated with them in any way. 22 of the 60 calls in the SCA finals, and five of the of uh, 15 or whatever of the final final calls. So that was DB180. So Will is spearheading this. I am helping my best with the platform that I have on the Pitmasters podcast. We talked to everyone and almost every single person, but two. 
all these hardcore SEA cooks said that they would do a sear this year in 2021 and test it out. All it has to do is hit a couple of times, and I think that we'll be able to push it through and that it'll be more mainstream. Because here in Utah, several people sear, and our judges are used to it. It just takes a matter of people getting out there, having the balls to do it. And instead of crying later that all we have to, all we have is the, you know, the, the um, grill marks. And why do we have to do the grill marks? And I'll sit back and go, that was a time, you know, we had a revolution. And hopefully instead of that, we do have 50, 50 split throughout the United States of people doing sear because I'm not going to say it's easier, but it sure as hell tastes better. And it's, I think it's uh, a better steak all in all, but what it's going to keep us out of that rut of what KCBS has now, of the chicken, the pillow chicken, you know, like you did that to yourself. Don't cry about it. So when you have to do a, a, a grill mark, don't cry about it. If you're not going to put up and try to change the view of the SEA judge on looking at a seared steak and giving it a good uh, appearance score. So 2021, there's a whole bunch of people out there searing. There's four that we're doing down in Bakersfield, four of us, and there's several in Utah doing it. Will's good been doing it on the mid the Midwest or wherever the hell he's from, Oklahoma or something like that. And they're doing it all there. And there's a whole bunch of big wigs trying trying their hand at it this year. So we'll see how it goes. Are your big wigs that you mentioned, not by name, uh, rule number one of the show applies? Are they doing this? Uh, post golden ticket retrieval, or are they just going after a full blast? Because uh, I, I mean, while I appreciate the sear promotion, it does uh, lose a little luster or shine if they're going to do it one way to earn their way down to Fort Worth the following year, and then now that they've secured that, they can go ahead and throw caution to the wind. It doesn't hold the same weight. I, I think it 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 kind of does because. It doesn't hold the same weight. You didn't sacrifice anything for it, but that's not the point. The point is, is you have to put this in front of the judges as much as possible to force them into a situation of judging it. We've already seen appearance scores come up in just one year of people searing steak, so that's a, that's a plus. But I think a lot of these guys are, one, doing doubles, so they'll sear one, grill the other, or two, getting their golden ticket and trying to sear a few times. I hear that a lot. And I so I've actually approached a lot of people who have already won their golden ticket this year to do a sear a couple times this year, but it's really more about getting awareness to the judges, letting them see those stakes, and understanding that's part of it. John, your thoughts? I'm afraid for Rusty's life. (laughs) (laughs) They are going to awaken the Diamond and Square Illuminati. Their careers will be over. <laughs> this could be it the last time we allowed. see Rusty. This could be it. It's going to disappear. I am for them. But I fear for my family's safety if I come out publicly and say, this is a good idea. Because someone's going to come and get them. It's bigger, man. You don't know. You don't. We're going we're gonna to cha- start a whole new thing. It's going to be called the ass. We're going to talk about the ass. <laughs> the deep state of this year. You guys are in big trouble, man. Really, good luck to you. They can bring it. Come to. I'll tell you where I live. Oh, not on this show. Think, you won't. Yeah. I don't want anything hanging <laughs> over my head. Or you know, we talk about in a year from now. Remember when Rusty? I mean, we want to be talking to Rusty. Uh, Doug, you're a competitor. What do you think? Next to hot dogs, my hatred of Bonanza Grill Marks is well known. And if I do a steak contest, I'm definitely going sear hmm. uh just 
I, look, I like it. I, I think you're, we're at a, at a weird time in SCA. I can't believe we're going to say this because they've only been around for seven years. But I think if we were talking about this seven years from now, so they're in 14 years, there is a 0.0% chance that anyone would be looking to sear or do anything outside of the box of whatever is winning, which is why you find, as you had mentioned, Rusty, the chicken thighs almost routinely in KCBS contests and uh, ways of uh, turning in the money muscle or cooking it that way. I mean, a lot of things about competition barbecue have evolved into the way because that's what was winning and everybody wanted to win and everybody wanted to stop taking chances. And that's what happened when you do that. So we're really at a, at a break time at this point where you can probably get away with it. You can probably make it more noticeable to judges. But in the end, talking loud ain't saying nothing. So there has to be a movement of cooks that will go ahead and actually put seared steak in front of judges regardless of outcome because if they're not going to get exposed to it, they will look at it, they will then shit their pants, and then they will score you the fuck down just like Terrell Miller said that she was going or she had done in the past before she saw the light and decided to to stop scoring. Although we haven't followed up with her, maybe she's gone back to to scoring down on uh, on grill marks or, or not having grill marks. So we'll have to follow back up with her. But it's gotta, it has to be shown in front of the judges for things to change. Otherwise, it's a lot of talk, and we hope that uh, Rusty and the DD forty eight or whatever you said his name was is going to be able to push this through and. Really make one eighty DD one eighty. We'll really be able to to make a lot, a lot. I mean, it's got to be a lot, right? I mean, how many SCA events are there going to be over the course of the year? I think Brett Galloway said he was hoping to have five hundred contests or five hundred and thirty contests. There has to be a number of folks in five hundred and thirty contests that are throwing in seared steaks because I'm sure judges talk whether they can admit it or not. Don't. Timmy, did you say I got like 18 seared steaks this round out of 70 teams or whatever? So the more they talk about it, the more it becomes commonplace, the less it will be looked at as something that stands out and is just another way to cook. Go ahead, Russ. I do have to say this, though. Uh, getting a good-looking sear is harder than doing grill marks. So pe- judges have to understand that. It is not easy I would say it's for me. It's far harder to get a good-looking seared steak yeah. than it is to get a good-looking sear mark. Sear marks, uh, I can do it on accident. So when you're looking at a steak, judges, think of that for a sec. That is that is hard. If it looks good, that was a, a very well-executed steak all around. All right. Uh, final thoughts on this subject, Doug. Anything else to add? Um, I can't wait for you to sponsor us, and we will absolutely do it. Yeah, all right. Well, just go ahead, do a steak contest, win it, and then I will reimburse your entry fee. Same oh, goes for you, go. Rusty. You John, I would uh, offer the same thing the to you, but I don't come. know if you're going to be yeah. going to any steak cooking events. But if, if you are, I'm happy to reimburse your entry fee if you win with a seared steak. <laughs> My final thought on this thing, to get it out. You're going to get traction on this, and you're going to get a hold and mark it down. A company's going to come out and throw down that same prize money, just like they did in the beginning, which started all this. That's right. Because they got the juice, and they can do it. So that's what's going to kill it. I love the idea of it. 
Big time, but you watch it. Mark it down. They're going right. to come back and kill it like they did in the first place. Right. We will see what happens. Uh, hey, the fourth Tuesday of every month in the second hour, you can see who you have here. Below me, you have John Solberg, the embedded correspondent of Michigan, right to the right of me, the longest-running embedded correspondent, Doug Scheiding of Texas, and then Caddy to the right is the newest embedded correspondent. We can just say embedded correspondent. From the great city of Utah, Rusty Monson, who hosts... The Pitmaster Podcast. Uh, Doug, anything to promote on the way out? Uh, I will be on the Baseball and Barbecue Podcast as a guest host. Again? Coming up. Yes, again. <laughs> All right, uh, Rusty, anything Absolutely. on the way out? Uh, just check us out. We talked to Rob Reinhardt of Prairie Barbecue on our podcast, Pitmaster Podcast, this Thursday. And uh, John, anything to promote on the way out? This Friday, the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. Subscribe to the Barbecue Central show via your favorite podcast catcher and never miss another episode. There they are, the embedded correspondents, everybody, right there, joining me as they do the fourth Tuesday of every month. Stellar conversation. Dino Dan asking me, what's NWA stand for? Uh, Look, if you think there's any way that I'm going to tell you what it stands for, I'm not. Come on, you're kidding me. Google it if you don't know. But they're only the most prolific rap band ever in the history of rap. It's not the Sugar Hill Gang. It's not DJ Red Alert. It's not LL Cool J. All I'm fans of all of them. They're fabulous. But nobody shaped the rap landscape more than NWA. It was something the likes nobody had ever heard of. And if you don't know what NWA stands for, Google it. There's a whole list of returns that will come, but there's no way I'm ever going to say them. You got to be kidding. So uh, the offer stands for the embedded correspondents. If they are going to participate in a state contest and they sear and they win, I will reimburse them their entry fees. Likewise, as I had mentioned, top of the second hour. Uh, let's get down and help Malcolm Reed over at How to Barbecue Right and uh, get behind their fundraiser that they're doing. I will match whoever gets in touch with me first with their $1,000 donation. I will match your $1,000 donation. And remember the top five donate donators? That doesn't seem right. The top five biggest don't... Hmm. The five people that give the largest donations will win a VIP class given by Malcolm Reed. I would imagine that the two of us uh, throwing down one G would at least secure us too. But my hope is that you guys can find it in your hearts to go big so the central lights can capture that whole VIP class. That will be something incredible like. Incredible. More details to follow as that is concerned. All right, uh, one more bit of information and bill to pay before we get out of here. Let me talk to you quickly about Pits and Spits. Since 1983, Pits and Spits has been handcrafting smokers and grills in Houston, Texas, and in that time, Pits and Spits establishing itself as one of the premier brands in high-quality offset smokers and more recently pellet cookers. Setting itself apart by using heavy 7- and 10-gauge steel in every cooker. Fully welded construction that you can feel when you use the unit. The 304 stainless roll top lid and front shelf on every single cooker. So, why does it matter? 
Well, using higher quality materials, pits and spit smokers reach and maintain temperatures, allowing you to worry more about the heat. <laughs> worry more about the meat than the heat. By providing a fully welded smoker, you don't have to worry about grease or smoke leaking out of that barrel or about the grill rattling apart as you move it through the backyard and by using 304 stainless, you get an heirloom quality product you can pass down to people in your family. Now, where some companies focus on being a low-cost provider, Pits and Spits focuses on craftsmanship and using high-quality materials. Are there cheaper ways to manufacture these products? Yes. But they don't like tech. Well, it's cheap stainless electronics that you can't trust. Having in-house manufacturing gives them complete control of their design and standards. That's not something you find with stuff brought in from overseas. Their steel suppliers supply material to be used in some of the harshest environments around, so you know they're going to perform wherever you are in the country. And their controllers made right here in the States. They have unimpeded transparency into the programming. Invaluable. Pits and Spits has a dealer network across the country, but if there isn't one near you, fine. Give Koi a call to shop 844-650-6250. Whether you're a backyard grill master looking to cook steaks for the family or a competition team looking to do 50 racks of ribs, Pits and Spits is a product for you. You can check them out at the website, pitsandspits.com, all spelled out, or you can check their pits in the wild across social media with their handle at Pits and Spits, also spelled out. Let's get ready to wrap it up. Stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. All right, welcome back. And this portion being brought to you by Vortic Watches, a small batch custom watch manufacturing and vintage restoration company located in northern Colorado. They take antique American pocket watches, turn them into wristwatches. Their mission, preserve and enhance the legacy of the manufacturing excellence in America. In order to do that, they combine traditional cutting-edge technology to create unique, quality, functional timepieces with exceptional value. And here's the coolest part. Each watch is unique. It's one of a kind. Vortic founded on the motto that America wasn't assembled. It was built. Check out VorticWatches.com for more information. You see this thing right here on my screen. This thing sold out in four minutes. Four minutes. The Waltham Watch or the Boston Watch, I think is what they call it. The Boston 217. Man, it is. I mean, look how the numerals are circled. It's got the nice crown that really sets it off. I really love that one. Wow, we they did a great job on that. Vortic Watches. Dot com is the place to go. All right, we thank the embedded correspondents, of course, for joining me last hour, all the way back in the first hour. Sandy Brown joined me and hurtled through some technical difficulties, so we'll line her back up again sooner than later. But I thank her for struggling with me through those. And again, we'll chalk it up to thunderstorms. That's fine. Let's do that. We also had a monthly visit from Derek Riches from DerekRiches.com, and we talked about B&B Charcoal, and we talked about Traeger being valued at $3 billion and how they're the ones setting the value of $3 billion. We also got a first look at the Char Griller gravity-fed grill that Derek said is a rip-off of the master-built version that was released a year and a half ago or so. As I mentioned just a couple of minutes ago, second hour full of embedded correspondence. So let me remind you of a few different things. Uh, let's go ahead and make sure that we're helping out Malcolm Reed at the Palmer Home. 
Uh, support.palmerhome.org is the website you can go to. I will put a link in the show notes. You can also go to howtobbqright.com, and I'm sure there's a Palmer Home for Children logo up there that you can go ahead. We're going to try and get Malcolm or help him get to his 20000 And again, for the top five donors, you get a VIP class. So I think we can pack that class with Centralites. If you feel froggy and you want to donate $1,000, maybe there's multiple ones. If you put the first one to get at me through email that says you're going to do it, uh, once I see yours go through, I will match your 1000 and we will donate a total of 2000 to get them closer to that $20,000 goal. We'll talk to Malcolm in April about that a little bit more. Big show planned for you next week. It is a bonus week of March, believe it or not. We get a bonus show there on the 30th. Big plans. Pits and Spits will make a reappearance amongst others. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. This is Dion Blumenrader with Big Hoss One Sauce, and you're listening to the best show on all things barbecue with my man, Greg Rempe.